I'm embarrassed because I want a job. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, welcome in. This is episode number 600. Now, I don't talk about landmarks like that very often on here, but 600, yeah, you can do the math on that. Been doing this once a week. Well, that's over 11 years. Never missed a week. Love doing it. Still anticipate like a little kid on Christmas getting ready to do the podcast every week. So this is episode 600. Hey, if you haven't done it in a while, jump on iTunes, leave a review. That'd be cool. Lots other people know. Uh, it keeps our rankings high, but yep, been doing this a very long time. Enjoy the privilege of connecting with you each week in doing this, where we dive into real life questions. Golly, got some great questions again this week as always. So we're going to get right into them. Somebody says, Dan, I started an online church called Church for Entrepreneurs. Here's a question. I have my own new business, and now I realize I loved my old job. Hey, I've got a short interview I did with my good friend Chris Ducker about his new book, Rise of the Youpreneur. We're going to talk about what is that? What is a youpreneur, and how can you be one? Dan, I'm disheartened by the lack of teamwork from my coworkers. And then if we have time, we're going to get to this one. I can't go to social media marketing world this year because I'm getting rid of debt. You may be surprised at my response to that. We'll get to that and more as we have time. Here's our quotation for the day. It comes from Steve Jobs, who said, The only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Man, I'm with it. Totally, 100%. Sounds great. Hey, got a resource for you here. If you go to postmypath.com slash 48 days, you're going to connect with my friends, Alan and Angie Thomas, and see what they're doing to help people get healthier. Their own story is going to blow your mind. They lost a tremendous amount of weight. You'll see the before and after pictures. Alan lost, I think it was 129 pounds. Now, a lot of people have commented recently and seen me that, I'm a little trimmer than I have been in a long time. You know how that can work. Just a little bit over time, a little bit more, a little bit more. And all of a sudden you look in the mirror and think, whoa, who is that? Well, I've trimmed up a little bit. I got down to my college weight again, but feel great. You know, I just, I just got a complete physical this last week, just an annual physical, nothing wrong at all. Just, I just do it just as regular checkups. Been going to the same doc for a very long time. Did complete blood workup. Actually did more things they recommend to do these days and what used to be done. More tests. Anyway, got the blood work back. Doctor called me. He says, your blood work is as near perfect as anything I've ever seen. Here's his, here's his quotation. He said, your blood work would be the envy of any 40-year-old. I'm significantly older than 40, as you probably know, since I'm going to celebrate next month our 50th wedding anniversary. That gives you a little clue. But he says your blood work would be the envy of any 40-year-old. Anyway, if you want to check that out, how to get yourself in shape so you don't have the 
disadvantage of not feeling great physically. It's hard to do great work when you don't feel great physically. But go to Post My Path, just like it sounds, postmypath.com slash 48 days. Check out how Angie and Alan can help you out. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Now, I want to go to some good news things. As you know, I love finding good news, and there's lots of it all around us. Here's a story. This comes from Little Rock, Arkansas. Young dad was walking 11 miles to and from work every day until his coworkers found out. Now, here we get a 21-year-old dad, never told any of his coworkers at the UPS facility in Little Rock, but some of the guys found out about his exhausting commute. But instead of just allowing this dedicated dad to continue hiking to and from work every day, he was walking five and a half miles each way. They all pitched in enough money to get him a new car. Now, when I say new car, it's the kind of car that I would want to get for somebody and have done. But they, they told the seller what they were doing. He worked with them on coming up with the price. So they were eventually able to buy a 2006 Saturn Ion for $2,000. Then they asked this young guy to join him out in the parking lot for a brief meeting last week when Lewis and joined all of his coworkers in the lot, they handed him the keys to the Saturn. Now they, he, Lewis is reportedly described as stoic, meaning he doesn't show his emotions easily. He couldn't contain his emotions over the gift. First thing he did was go pick up his 14 month old daughter so they could get a bite to eat. Just a cool thing. Now think about that. I mean, if there's, my goodness, if there's 20 people where you're working and you want to do something that magnanimous, that great of gesture to help somebody out, it'd be a hundred bucks a piece. I mean, most of us can do that to really do be part of something worthwhile like that. I don't know how many people there were. There might've been 40 people who worked there. The facility would be 50 bucks a piece. Anyway, bought somebody a car so he wouldn't have to walk five and a half miles each way to work. Here's another story. Women encircle a crying mom whose toddler was having a meltdown at the airport. Now, here's this incident happened to Beth Borstein Dunnington when she was flying out of Los Angeles early this month. There's a mom from Hawaii who was at LAX waiting to board her flight to Portland. She was in the departure area along, alongside a crowd of other travelers waiting for their flights. And she saw a mother who was having some problems with her son. So Dunnington wrote on Facebook, she said a toddler who looked to be maybe 18 months or so was having a total meltdown, running between the seats, kicking and screaming, then lying on the ground, refusing to board the plane. Now we could stop there and go into parenting skills. That's a story for another day, but obviously there are parents who are challenged with the, the role of being a parent. And she said this young mom who was clearly pregnant, traveling alone with her son, became completely overwhelmed. She couldn't pick him up because he was so upset. He kept running away from her. She couldn't catch him. Then he was lying down on the ground, kicking and screaming. The mother finally sat down on the floor, put her head in her hands with her kid still having a meltdown and just started crying. So here's what this other young mother did. Six or seven women from around the boarding area convened on the young woman, forming a circle around her and her toddler, 
Each woman did something to help calm down the distressed mom and toddler. The scale says, I sang Itsy Bitsy Spider to the little boy. One woman had an orange that she peeled. One woman had a little toy in her bag that she let the toddler play with. Another woman gave the mom a bottle of water. Someone else helped the mom get the kid's sippy cup out of her bag and give it to him. The, the women didn't talk to each other about any common strategy. They just all pitched in and were able to calm down the mother and her toddler until they were successfully able to get on the plane. After they went through the door, uh, we all went back to our separate seats, didn't talk about it. We were strangers. We just gathered together to solve something. And his mother says, it occurred to me that a circle of women with a mission can save the world. I will never forget that moment. That's a great reminder. You know, when there are challenges like that, people are quick to pitch in and offer to help in their own unique ways. Great story. Love that. We got one more here. Sad dog looking for kids to read to him is now all booked up. Sting, the dog, loves helping children with their reading skills. So when no one showed up to his library session earlier this month, his owner posted some lonesome-looking photos of the dog on Facebook to encourage participation. When the internet got a load of the pug's sad mug, thousands of people from across the country started clamoring to cheer him up. If you feel yourself getting worked up as well, have no fear. Sting's owner, John Mueller, has been quick to reassure media sources that Sting is by no means a sad dog. His face just looks like that. The 10-year-old hound is a retired race dog who now works as a certified therapy dog in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. This may give some of you some ideas about what you could do. Once a week at the city library, Sting lets kids read to him for the Pause to Read program. Pause being spelled, obviously, P-A-W-S, pause to read. It's an initiative that lets kids who are struggling with their reading skills read to complacent dogs or pups. Now, when you think about that, I mean, think about how affirming that is to have a pup who would sit there and listen intently when a child is reading, even if they're making mistakes. So this dog usually spends an hour at the library or so each week so that at least three kids can get 20 minutes of reading time. But there was a week nobody showed up. They put it out there and boom, now they've got thousands of people who want an opportunity even to let their kids read over the phone to the dog. I just like ideas like that. You know, it just stimulates thinking. The creative things that you can do to encourage somebody else, bring hope to somebody else. Certainly not something I would ever think of. I never realized there was such a program. Pause. What was it? Pause. Pause to read. Pause to read. Huh. Never familiar with that. Interesting idea. And there's lots more where that came from, I'm sure. Well, let's go to some questions here. This comes not more, not a question, just kind of a information upload from Amos Johnson, Dr. Amos Johnson. CEO and pastor, and he says he started an online church for entrepreneurs called Church for Entrepreneurs. <clears throat> now, he goes through some of the questions that he hears me deal with a lot on here, where people are wanting to do something worthwhile, wanting to do ministry, and yet wanting to figure out how to make that work financially. And of course, I usually tell people to be creative and how they do that. He talks about the fivefold ministry where people are called to be a pastor, teacher, evangelist, you know, that those kind of things. That's a little different than somebody just wanting to 
uh, provide shoes or clean water or something like that, where in those kind of things, yeah, it's really better just to figure out what you can do to generate income to make those ideas work. Now, so I, I, I love his input here. Thanks, Amos, for uh, contributing. <clears throat> you say that, you know, no matter which way somebody wants to give and serve, they're both noble. One is not greater than the other. A Christian called to the marketplace is called to sell. And that's a mindset that needs to be embraced by other people in the marketplace. It's no less noble to sell something than it is to give away. Both are highly noble. I like that. You're right. It's not less noble to sell something and uh, generate income so that you can serve in that way. Well, and if you want, want more information, just go to Amos's website, churchforentrepreneurs.com. Got a lot of resources there. I went and checked it out. A lot of resources there, ways to get involved. And he's obviously set that up as an entrepreneur himself, which is cool. He's not asking for donations. He has resources to help those of us who want to do better in that arena, do better in the ministry and the ways that we serve. So thanks for passing that along, Amos. I'll have that link in the show notes as well. Now, this this came with a big headline that was just one word, and it was embarrassed. Now, this comes from Carol. She says, uh, thanks for all you do. My dilemma at the end of last June, I got laid off from a job I'd held for nearly 14 years. The company had merged with another. Things changed and a few of us were let go. I was paid well. I live in a resort area. Let's see, California doesn't say, doesn't say where. Anyway, I live in a resort area where people are mostly in hospitality or the medical profession or retail. So far, I've seen nothing that comes close to what I was doing, which was planning, organizing, and facilitating the annual top performers incentive trips, which only took about nine months of my time, along with doing the same for various sales and marketing manager conferences. Since I have not been able to find work, I got very excited about having my own trip planning business, targeting high worth individuals. I had a nice website built and been looking to get my first clients. However, when I lost my job, now this is a really interesting scenario that a lot of you are going to identify with. So Cindy, or Carol continues, when I lost my job seven months ago, it was like the book closed and I was excited for a new adventure. I never mourned losing my job, nor did I mourn not seeing my coworkers every day. This past week was different, and I've been feeling so discouraged. On top of that, like a lightning bolt, it hit me out of the blue that I loved my old job. Every single aspect of it, I truly miss the work that I performed for so long. I'm now doing research to see where I might get that type of job again. The embarrassing thing is I feel ashamed to have spent money on a website, telling all my friends about it, being truly excited about it. Now I don't even want to bother with it. I'm sure I'm not the first person to ever feel this way, but I'd love to hear from someone who has or does. I always thought I could be my own boss, but what I've come to realize is I desperately need structure and I don't seem to be able to give that to myself. Am I nuts or normal? I don't even know what I'm looking, looking for. Maybe I just need to get it out there. I'm not sure. Well, thanks so much, Carol, for your, for your note. I'm going to comment on that in a little bit here, but first I want to give you just a little bit of insight from some other people. I also got a note from, from Jeremy James, who'd been involved in the 48 Days community for a long time. Jeremy has a, a full-time real job, government job. He's also been selling on Amazon for four years now, doing really well there, rocking it there. But he realizes much 
like you are describing, Carol, that uh, he, in as much as he complains about the job that he has, doesn't feel like he, you know, is doing anything of real value there. He also says, I was out of work for two weeks in January due to a family member's illness. I thought I was going to go crazy. I couldn't wait to get back to my desk, my job, and to the structure of what I do on a regular basis. Even more so, I miss the sense of camaraderie, companionship, and responsibility of my job. Now, he goes on and talks about a lady that I met when I spoke at um, the CES conference in Orlando a few months ago. Her name was Christy. He says, you referenced meeting a young lady at CES who had left her job, moved away and become very financially successful because of Amazon. But quite frankly, she was miserable. She and I actually know each other. And we have had a conversation about what she's doing. Well, I recommended to Christy that she stop beating herself up, trying to be a successful entrepreneur, which she had done. Go get a job. There's no shame in that at all. Jeremy, the same thing. Now, with the job you've got, I would recommend you change the job because of all the things you described there. But yeah, just find a better job that's more fulfilling, more rewarding. But don't hang your head about wanting to do that, even though you're rocking it on the side with Amazon. I mean, one of the young ladies in our coaching mastery program, Anna Powers, she's a young a single attorney. She was really concerned about security you know, and just the uncertainty about going out on her own. And I said, don't leave your job. Just use 15 hours a week to build your coaching business. Well, by October 1st of 2017, she had generated over $100,000 in her side business while still working full time. We then talked about it and she was able to negotiate with her employer, reducing her time to three hours a week. She loves getting all dressed up and going into the office. We aren't going to unplug that. That's a valuable part of the life that she wants to live. Even though her success now has far superseded income-wise what she's making with a real job. Marianne Renner, I had Marianne on recently on our Monday Mentor uh, discussion in the 48 Days Eagles community. She works full-time for a healthcare company and has no plans to leave. She as well has been very intentional about using 15 hours a week and has built a really thriving, profitable coaching practice on the side. So Carol, don't be embarrassed. I mean, what you've done is a valuable, valuable part of your education. I mean, I know lots of people that are going to college are spending $80,000 to try to get the clarity about who they are and what work fits them. Wow, if you've spent $5,000 on a website to promote a new business and then you found out that you missed the traditional workplace, golly, hold your head high and do a great job search. I mean, you'll do it now with a new enthusiasm and confidence, knowing it's exactly where you want to be. I mean, that's great information to have. I know Christy, when I talked to her, she was concerned about the same thing. She made such a big deal about leaving the company when she did. They had a big party for her. And now, you know, four months later, even though she's rocking it financially, she realizes how much she misses that. But it was like, how can I, that's, that's going to be embarrassing to go, but no, it's not. People make new decisions all the time. If you're not making new decisions, you're stuck, you're stagnant, you're not growing. Welcome the opportunity to make new, better informed decisions. God, even sometimes, you know, in talking with our kids about our own spiritual walk, you know, we're doing things differently than we did years ago. 
doesn't mean we were wrong then. It was part of the journey to get to where we are now. And it'll continue to change and grow in ways that I can't even anticipate. I mean, I expect that in all areas of my life. So, Kelly, I think that's great, Carol, what you've done. Congratulations on doing exactly what you've done to get increased clarity about what really fits you. Now you can hold your head high. Do that with excellence. Now, I want to play a little clip here with my friend, Chris Ducker. It's 13 minutes long, but it's well worth it because he talks about his new book, Rise of the Youpreneur, but describing what that is. And it really embraces what we're talking about right here. How you understand yourself so well that you know what it is that you want to do. Here's my interview. I'll have some more comments at the end, but here's my interview with Chris. Well, Chris, hey, it's a delight to have you on here to talk to us a little bit about your brand new book. Tell us the title. It's called Rise of the Youpreneur, Dan. And Rise. you were a big inspiration for this book as well, as you well know. Well, I love the title, Rise of the Youpreneur. Tell us a little bit about what that means. What is a youpreneur? Look, a youpreneur is someone who builds a business based around them, their personality, their experience, and the people that they want to serve. But this is the big thing. It's a business based around them, but not 100% reliant on them. And that's the big thing. A lot of people think, well, personal brand business, that means I have to be doing everything. It's not the case. And if anybody knows me and my story, they'll know that I'm quintessentially a lazy entrepreneur. I delegate as much as I possibly can on a daily basis. And so, you know, I've, I've been able to build my own personal brand business and the ecosystem around that business with several streams of, of income uh, because of the fact that I delegate and I, you know, build a team and I, I do all the things that I do. But, but ultimately, that's what a youpreneur is. It's somebody who is building a business around them, but not relying on them. All right. Now we're going to come back to the book immediately here, but I also want you to tell people a little bit about a couple of your other businesses. You know, what have you been doing the last few years that positioned you to write this kind of book? So, you know, we have we have a large call center facility here, which is about 450 employees. We have and here being staff. tell people where here is. It's obviously not Alabama. No, it's not Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not New York City. It's the Philippines. That's where we live. So I've lived in the Philippines. I'm originally from the UK, which is why I've got this strange accent. And then um, I moved here in the year 2000, uh, worked with uh, one of the large international banks here for a few years and then set up my own consulting and sort of everything entrepreneurial wise has grown from there but we have the large call center about 450 employees we have virtual staff finder which a lot of people know of uh because of me and, and and my brand online which is ultimately a virtual assistant recruitment service and i know that you you know very regularly uh you know forward people uh to, to us for that um and uh, and then you know we have the or we had the co-working space location 63 which i uh, i sold a few years ago and now you know it's the youpreneur brand so i mean you know everything that i do is focused around you know ultimately solving problems for small to medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs and i think you know one thing that really became very, very evident to me. And it, it took me a while to figure this out, but it was about three, maybe four years or so ago. I sat down and I actually realized that people do business with me personally way before they do business with any of my companies. I'm the one selling them. 
on the idea of teaming up with me and my firms. And so that was when I really decided, well, you know what? Holy moly, I'm going to grow this thing. I'm going to build this personal brand to a level where, you know, my name is relatively well known in, in my different niches and sectors. And that's just going to make bringing in more business even easier. And guess what? It worked. It absolutely worked. And so that's where, you know, the premise of, of you know, Youpreneur as a brand, as a community, and now obviously as a live event and a book comes from. Well, you talk in Youpreneur, the rise of the Youpreneur, about this idea of building it around your personal brand. Now, to some people, I want you to unpack that a little bit, because to some people that may sound, well, that's kind of egotistical, just to think that it's all about you. But here's what we see a lot, and I know you've experienced this too, is people who are trying to be something they're not. So they try to adjust to the environment around them. They try Mm -hmm. to adjust to something that will work, but that's not enough to keep you invested over the long haul. So it's not being selfish egotistical but speak to that a little bit about the power of being so authentic knowing yourself so well that you've got a great focus for the kind of work you ought to be doing yeah no without a shadow of a doubt i couldn't agree more with you i mean you are walking talking you know proof of what you know the level of authenticity needs to be for a personal brand entrepreneur i mean you are a personal brand entrepreneur everything you do through 48 days It's you. You are 48 days, but you've got this brand attached to you that will live on forever, way past when your time is done and you've decided to join your maker. 48 days ain't going nowhere. It's (laughs) it's not going to go nowhere. Dan's legacy is built in already. It really is. So what I love about that is that when people meet you in person, you're exactly how you are on your show or exactly how you are on stage. And I've been to your house. I've, I've broken bread with you many, many times. And every time I'm with you and Joanne, it's clear to me that you just are who you are. You don't. There's no smoke and mirrors. This is the way to do it. And that's the exact same way that I do it. What you see with me is what you get. If you don't like what you see, that's okay. You'll get what you need and what you desire somewhere else. But I know the people that are in my tribe are attracted to my vibe. And that's huge because as you grow your personal brand business and you kind of follow your varying you know interests as an entrepreneur and you might pivot a little bit that core group of your community and your customers and your audience will follow you no matter where you go and that's the very that's at the very center the very core of the business of you that I talk about is that when you build the business of you it is 100% original, regardless of what industry you're in, and it can't be copied. And ultimately, you're making yourself future proof because of that. And I love that. It just gets me so pumped up, so excited. Now, that's really important what you just said there, because when you when we hear you talk about having a brand based around you, We might think, okay, that's okay if you're going to write a book or if you're going to be a musician or if you're going to be an artist. But what about somebody who may want to have a landscaping business or they may want to have a little manufacturing business? Now, you've had traditional businesses as well. You just said you got Mm -hmm. 450 employees in a virtual staffing company. You know, we know that well. I mean, that's not a real sexy, creative kind of thing. And yet, it certainly is not sexy. You're absolutely <laughs> right there. <laughs> well, but it, but it's still you still see that as something that is so reflective of who you are. Talk a little bit about the the options that somebody has for a broad array of applications. They don't have to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates to still 
develop an idea around, develop work around who they are personally? You know what, the, what, what they really need first and foremost is to just simply care. If they care about what they're doing and who they're doing it for and the way that they're doing it, they're already ahead of the curve in terms of whatever competitors might be out there. The problem, Dan, is that too many people nowadays are chasing the dollar and they don't care. They don't give a damn about what they're doing and who they're doing it for. And it drives me crazy. I'm very vocal about this. Relationships are key in business. You know this. I know this. But why are so many people treating them with such disrespect? Relationships should be treasured, not used. You don't become friends with somebody because they've got a big email list. You become friends with somebody because you want to be able to shine a light on their life in some way, shape or form. And if you're lucky, they'll shine it back on you. So it all goes down. It, it all comes back for me. It all comes back to being really who you are, your uniqueness as an individual and what you feel you can actually give back to the people based on your experience and your personality that you come in a touch with. But I mean, this, you know, we talk about the Upener ecosystem inside of the book, and this is like all the different types of ways that you can ultimately monetize your personal brand. And here's the thing. There's something in there for everyone. Mm -hmm. If you're a little bit of an introvert and you don't want to be up on stage as a speaker, don't speak but you can still serve your community by creating great online courses and selling them that way. If you were a big, big extrovert and you want to be on stage all the time and you want to run events and you want to do masterminds and do high-end coaching and all this stuff, you can do that. But maybe you don't want to sit at a computer typing out blog posts all day long. Then don't do that. Maybe you become a podcaster or whatever the case may be. So that Upner ecosystem that we talk about, and there's so much more on there um, in regards to really filling out the opportunity to be able to bring in income. But at the very same time, you're serving your community. And that's that should be at the core of everything that you do. You know, I, always, I often say that as an entrepreneur, at the very core of what I do is I'm just a problem solver. I don't have any delusions of grandeur on that at all. I just solve people's problems. And if I do that well enough with enough empathy and enough care behind it, I'm blessed to be able to put a price tag on whatever those solutions are. Uh, and if I don't feel super confident about the solutions I create, they don't go to market, plain and simple. I want to sleep good at night. Oh, my. Golly, that's a great overview of your book. You got to care. It's not about chasing the dollars. If you care, that's the starting point. You cover tips in your book, like what have you done thus far? You know, what has your experience led you? What big milestones have you achieved in your career? Are you a family person? You know, do you work 18 hours a day? You know, introspection, knowing yourself will help you identify what you care about. What do you want your legacy to be? I know you're big on that word as well. What you want your legacy to be? Well, Chris, this has been delightful. Golly, I can't wait to introduce people to this book. It just came out this week. They can go yep. to Rise of the Upreneur, just like it sounds, Rise of the Upreneur. And we'll put that in the show notes today.com and they can get access to the book and a lot of other goodies you've got there for them. Thanks for being with yeah. us. Hey, just before, before I let you go, I, I also need to tell people, you said you're living in the Philippines. That's not your native country and you're getting ready to move. Yes. 
Yes, we're moving back to the UK. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> everybody thinks I'm crazy leaving the tropics for for England, right? But it's been a dream. Honestly, Dan, I've 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 always said that when I get to the point in my life, in my career, in my family life, et cetera, et cetera, where I feel confident that we can go back to the UK um, and live a comfortable life and be there and help people and you know really do what we really want to do as a family first and foremost that we would leave um i've been blessed to be in that position for a few years now but uh you know i guess i procrastinated like a lot of other people it's a big move it's but a big we, move we we're in we were in england last year and we were at a wedding and i met a property finder when at that wedding and he was like if you've got a couple of hours tomorrow morning i'll take you out and show you a few properties so you can see what's on the market so um, we, we, we met up with a guy the next morning. He took us out in his car in, uh, in and around Cambridge area. And uh, we looked at four properties. And the last one that we looked at just before lunchtime, the moment, the moment we got out of the car in this beautiful gravel uh, driveway, uh, we kind of turned off of this little country lane into this driveway. And I looked at this house and I looked at Urs, my wife, and I said, I'm buying this house. <laughs> she looks at me. And she said, what? We haven't even gone inside yet. I said, are you serious? Look at it. It's like something off a postcard. I'm buying the darn house. And we walked in. The first room we walked into was this gorgeous, huge ingle nook fireplace, 370 odd years old. It's been dated this home. It's grade two listed. It's right out of a uh, it's it's off it's off a chocolate box is what it is it's it's incredible I can't wait to move back Dan you and Joanne have to come stay with us you have to come visit we will we'll look forward wait. to we've seen pictures of the house I'm excited about this next season in your life golly it's awesome well I just wanted to throw that in give people a little sense of who you are as the person you've done a great job with that again the book is rise uh, the rise of the youpreneur can check it out now it'll set you on fire chris thanks for being with us my friend thank you my brother i appreciate it well there you go boy so many gold nuggets in there about being true to yourself about caring about others caring about what you do and it gives you a framework to build work that matters rise of the youpreneur is the book check it out well let me go to some more questions here this comes from roxanne who said, you know, I can't see that your name, Roxanne, without hearing the song, Roxanne. Anyway, should have pulled up a clip. Roxanne says, a few months ago, I started working in a resort-style, all-inclusive, independent senior living place as an activity director. Although I love painting, or I love planning events and activities for the residents, I'm disheartened by the lack of teamwork from my coworkers. The company is not a new company, but the place I work just opened in August 17th, so everyone is new to the team. There's been a lot of turnover, including management, kitchen staff, housekeeping, and the person who was doing the job I'm doing. I like the residents, but I'm getting burned out from doing so much with no support. I've spoken with my managers, but not much is changing. I'm 56 and I just tell myself that at least I'm making money, but the stress is getting to me and, and affecting my home life, marriage, as I can't seem to move forward. How do I find the right job for me? I have so many skills. Should I tell my employer if things don't change, I'm leaving? Do I find a new job first? I've listened to 48 Days CDs. Thought I had found the job I love, but I was wrong. Roxanne. Well, Roxanne, golly, again, knowing what you know now, 
put you in the driver's seat for really clarifying what it is that you want to do. Now, working in a retirement center, as you're talking about senior living place, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with those. We have lots of those. There's just been an explosion of those here in Franklin, Tennessee, where I live, just south of Nashville, but that's pretty true anywhere that you are. Meaning there's a lot of choices out there. Yes, it is true that in those, we had my mother-in-law in a facility like you're describing, and we were blown away at the turnover because it was about every six months, you know, the facility managers were gone and uh, people rotated through there. Uh, they don't tend to put a lot of focus on getting and keeping good employees. Most of those Facilities are owned by big corporations that are simply looking at the bottom line and they want to they want to keep the biggest cost they have that being labor low so they don't pay well and they just rotate through employees. That's unfortunate. However, that being said, we don't need to generalize. You don't need to assume that every senior living facility is like that. So in as much as you enjoy doing what you're doing and some of those places are gorgeous, I'd encourage you identify five or six of those facilities right there where you are. And sure, go ahead and and look for other positions. The activity director where my mother-in-law lives, lived, she's, she's gone now, but uh, where she lived, was a friend of ours. And she moved, before my mother-in-law passed away, she moved to another facility. Well, we really loved that gal. We really missed her, but she did exactly what you're doing. She found a place where there was a better environment for herself and moved on. I'd encourage you to do that. Sounds like the work is a fit. You thought you did, had found the job you love. It's just the particular culture of the facility where you are. Don't assume that's a generalized thing. Just go out and find another culture that fits you better. Well, hey, just a reminder here, these are real-life questions. We've got a few more we're going to grab here in the next few minutes. Then we're going to wrap up for today. But if you want to submit a question, I'd be delighted to include it in an upcoming episode. Uh, the easiest way is just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. You can go to the podcast link at 48days.com if you'd like. And there's a way there you can just click on the microphone, leave an audio message. You prefer to do that, but um, seems to work pretty well. People just send emails, and again, that's just Dan at or ask Dan or rather ask Dan at forty eight days dot com. Reese says, "I have a few questions for you. I have a BS in business management. I'm looking for a new job. What are some things I should look for? Could I do financial advising? What are your recommendations?" My dad owns a precast concrete business and I've been working here since out of high school, which has been 10 years, but I have no desire to stay here forever. I also work part-time at Publix to finish up baby step number two. Any advice and recommendations would be great. All right. Now, Reese, I, I have way too little information to make any intelligent suggestions for you, but I can give you a plan where you can do it yourself. Just because you have a BS in business management, I mean, that prepares you for about a million different kind of things. And because and you don't even start there. That's not really the key ingredient anyway. A lot of people have a BS in management. But what you want to do is look at yourself. 85% of the process of having a confidence of proper direction comes from looking at yourself. So what are your three key areas you want to identify? What are your skills and abilities? You've been working at your dad's business for a lot of years. 
you know, doing other kind of things. You're working part-time at Publix. So what are skills and abilities that you have? Even if they're things that were developed in positions where you're not paid, even if you did things as a volunteer, things you did in college or in the community or through church or school, I mean, those are legitimate things, but identify what are your clear, most valuable, most enjoyable skills and abilities. Number two, what are your personality traits? How do you relate to other people? What kind of environments are you most comfortable in? How do you manage? How do you persuade? How do you sell? I mean, all those things tell us a lot about what kind of environment would be great for you. We use the DISC personality profile. You can go to the 48days.com site. Just go to the, the shopping area, find the DISC, look at a description there. You can see sample reports. Check that out. You know, if you don't have that, that's something you're going to want to have to understand yourself well enough to then know what work fits you. So we've got number one, skills and abilities. Number two, personality traits. Number three, values, dreams, and passions. You've had enough life experience that we can draw from that. We look back at that and identify what were those times when, golly, things just seemed to really fit. When you were in the zone, when things just really made you come alive identify those things. And in doing then those three areas, skills and abilities, personality traits, values, dreams, and passions, you're going to get some clear patterns that emerge. That's what tells you what kind of work is going to be a good fit from you. Then the fact that you have a BS in business management, yeah, whatever you add that in, do a job, great job search and get the next great opportunity. That's going to be keeping you on the path of success that you want to be on. All right, this comes from Ben, who says, with so many companies becoming more automated, do you feel people are worried about their jobs? How will people earn money except in call centers? How long until all of our jobs are replaced with an app? Well, people have been asking that since Adam and Eve, when somebody um, developed a hammer and put three guys out of work who used to do the work by hand, I suppose. I mean, at every stage, Ben, people have been asking that. When Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin, Think about the hundreds of people that that put out of work. Well, those people realized there were jobs in factories. People moved into the industrial age. They got jobs in factories. People in factories have discovered, yeah, there's a whole lot of robotization there that's going on that put people out of work. I mean, if you look at the way cars are built these days. My gosh, 90% of the process is done by robots rather than people. Robots tend to be more reliable. You don't have to pay them as much. Sure, there are those trends. What do those people do? They moved into information kind of opportunity. Think about the things that we can do today that we didn't even know were available 10 years ago or even five years ago. There's a lot of that happening. So the change is not new. I mean, if you go to, um, well, if you go to Home Depot now, you know, you don't even need a cashier. You can check yourself out. Go to Publix, same thing. Check yourself out. Don't even need a person at the end of the line there. You can do that. There are stores now that Amazon has where you can go in where there's nobody there at all. You just, it it tracks you because you are identified by your iPhone when you walk in. It tracks you. It knows what items you put in. It automatically charges your bill. You don't need to talk to anybody. Nobody there. Well, and we're seeing even at places like McDonald's where you, they, you can walk in. Actually, I saw a little video clip just this week of a coffee shop where it's, totally automated. There's no people there at all. You go in, you order, the robot can mix any kind of drink that you want, reaches out, 
grabs it with a robotic hand, puts it up on the counter for you. You pay before it's released and you walk out. I mean, yeah, don't, but don't be too intimidated by that. There's always new opportunities. There are always ways to make yourself indispensable by doing things that cannot be easily replicated. When we talk about, you know, Chris, in my interview with Chris, we talked about um, relationships. You know, if you are connected with people in personal relationships, that's not something that can be replicated by a machine. We're moving into an age where a lot of companies have chat bots, chat bots, where you have see a little screen pop up down at the bottom and says, hey, this is Cindy. You want to talk? Well, Cindy is not a real person. She's just a, you know, a bot and she can go through a long conversation, giving you a lot of information where it seems like you're connecting with a person, but you're not. Well, I hear one more here, one more here. Uh, there's a discussion going on 48 Days Eagles and where uh, somebody says, I can't go to social media marketing world this year because I'm getting rid of debt. And I put in as a, as a comment, I'm going to social media marketing this year because I'm expecting to meet two or three people and get two or three ideas that'll generate the, uh, that ideas to add $50,000 to my income in the remaining 10 months of this year. I can't afford not to go. Now we talk a lot about mindset here. So I have one guy that says he can't afford to go to social media marketing world because he's getting rid of debt. And I'm saying I can't afford not to go because if there's debt that I need to get rid of, I don't know of a better way to do it than to go there to connect with people. I mean, I'll, I'll be having lunch um, next week with Chris Ducker on Thursday, the gentleman that I just interviewed. He lives in the Philippines, is moving to London, but I'll, I'm having lunch with him in San Diego. Those kind of relationships uh, generate income that go way beyond me just being frugal. So be very careful about how you approach this particular process where you think you're saving money, you may be overlooking ways to make money. You can earn your way to wealth or you can try to save your way to wealth. Different approaches for sure. Well, we'll talk about that more. Hey, next week, I'm going to be talking. I've got a gentleman who has been coaching for a long time and he's doing it free. And he feels like as soon as he charges for it, people stop coming. They don't engage. That's a mindset issue. That's not reality. I'm going to talk about how to break that cycle. I'm also going to be, I've got a short interview with Carrie Olson. Last year, she made $104,000 as a stay-at-home mom doing voiceover work. I'm going to have her tell you exactly what she did to do that and sources, resources she has to help you along in your own journey. Here's our action step for the week. I want you to do just what I described for Roxanne a little bit ago. Identify for yourself those three critical areas. What are your skills and abilities? What are your personality traits? What are your values, dreams, and passions? Those are things that can set you apart from everybody else out there. Those are things that raise your visibility, give you a unique marketability, and it helps you have the confidence to hold your head high and go out there, whether it's to get a job or start your own business. You know exactly what it is that you want to do, and you can do it with excellence. Hey, thanks for being part of this group where we're coming up with a lot of creative ideas. I love this process of just sharing ideas with you every week. Thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You don't need to settle for less. 
Hey, check out the new activities that's going on in 48 Days Eagles. If you aren't there already, I'll put up the other resources we talked about here in the show notes for today. Have a great week. Here's to you.